Welcome to Cluelessly Conscious, a platform where we as teenagers in 2020 can converse about our take on a wide range of topics, from pop culture to politics. This week, in the wake of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death, we'll be discussing feminism and Justice Ginsburg's impact on gender rights. I'm Connor, and I'm here with Melody and our first guest host, Catherine Ung, one of our dear friends who interns at her Congresswoman's office and has written for the New York Times. Hey, welcome, Catherine. Um, we're super happy to have you here. Uh, so we're really excited for you to be on this episode this week. Obviously, RBG meant a lot to all of us. So thank you for being here. Yeah, definitely. I'm so excited. I love you guys so much. And even though it's not necessarily a happy day, I am very glad to be able to be on here and talking to you guys. All right, well, let's get right into it. We're going to be discussing, first and foremost, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's background and her achievements. Um, there's a lot to talk about there. Ruth Bader Ginsburg paved the way for so many people in so many ways, but a lot of people don't really understand, you know, the opposition she faced early on in her career and in her life. Uh, Connor, if you want to take it away. Sure. So I guess we can start off in high school. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg grew up in a lower middle class family in New York. And the day before she graduated high school, her mother died of cancer. And so kind of in that moment, Ruth Bader Ginsburg knew that she wanted to, to dedicate her life to achieving good grades and to achieving being the best person she can be, especially because her mother was a staunch advocate for you know, gender rights and for equality. And she believed in a lot of progressive values. So in high school, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the day before graduation, really her, her spark, her passion began in that moment. And then when she hit Harvard and Harvard Law, she met her husband who fell ill with cancer. And you know, while being a mother, she had her first child while in Harvard Law School where she was one of only nine women in her class. And while being a law student and while being a mother, she continued to write notes and take notes for her husband as he fell ill so he could graduate on time with her. And that's something that's just truly inspiring, going to one of the most difficult law schools in the country and being able to you know, be a great mother and be a great wife to her husband as he was ill and still make top grades in her class just truly shows her dedication to the craft and to what eventually would become her future. Yeah, it does truly speak to her character, and it's just an early example of, I guess, something that Ruth Bader Ginsburg obviously kept in her life and taught to other young girls. Um, I think when we talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg paving the way for us, a lot of the times people only think about the role she had in expanding gender rights and her advocacy for a wide range of issues on her tenure as a Supreme Court justice. But I think also a part of that is that she was like a physical embodiment of what we should all strive to be. Somebody who was passionate about her work, but also was passionate about her family. Somebody who always strived to be the best at what she was pursuing. Somebody who was powerful and confident and cared about what she did. She was not just an example for women. She was an example for men. She was an example for everybody because she was the notorious RBG and these kind of I guess, obstacles she faced in her early life and during her Harvard days kind of gave way for us to kind of understand what we could all be, no matter the opposition. Yeah, definitely. And not only did she do all these like 
amazing accomplished things that like Connor talked about and you know work over time for her family but she also faced like so much discrimination even in her early years you know people telling her that she was like taking the place for a man even her teachers and her fellow students or after she graduated like she couldn't find a job even though she was just as accomplished as any man simply because of her gender but she refused to back down even despite like discrimination both large and microaggressions that she faced that she shouldn't have to have faced but i think that it really shows like me and like i would think other girls like that even though you face this discrimination it doesn't mean that you're any less accomplished or any less worthy of the same opportunities Certainly. And, you know, the adversity that she faced in her early years definitely shaped and, you know, just propelled forward her passion for change and her passion for equality. Because we do know that as soon as she had graduated from um, Columbia and Harvard Law School, because she ended up going to Columbia Law School at the end of her law year, her years in law school, um, she could not find a job in New York as a lawyer, despite having amazing letters of recommendation, despite being at the top of her class, because she was a woman. And that was something that really troubled her and that set her back in her time. And she ended up in a um, teaching position at Rutgers as a professor. She was one of only, I think, less than 20 female law professors at the time in the entirety of the United States. And so she spent her first bit of time, you know, teaching young law students. And she was seen as, you know, like you became a professor, you graduated from Columbia Law School and you became a professor. People looked down on her for that despite the reason she started teaching being because she was she was unable to find work in New York because of the rampant sexism and discrimination against women in the legal profession. And, you know, I can just imagine all of the people who have gone through her class and learned law from Justice Ginsburg are probably amazing people today and are so lucky. And, you know, in her time at Rutgers, I'm sure she made a difference in the lives of hundreds, thousands of kids. So it's really beautiful to see that she grew some, from such humble beginnings and really did become one of the most powerful people in modern American history. After her time at Rutgers, you know, I think one of the like major parts of her career after that, that I think about a lot and a lot of people associate with her is her time at the ACLU, where she founded the Women's Rights Project. I just like have always looked up to the ACLU as an organization, I think, back then in the 70s and even like all the way until now they continue to fight just these super important battles for civil liberties not only for women but for everyone and um rbg's input and her work in advocacy in the aclu was so important for women's rights and to me it's like very admirable all the things that she did and also how strategic she was while in her time at the ACLU, you know, there's a lot of, um, a lot to be said about the way she took on her advocacy for women's rights, where she showed in her um, litigation that gender discrimination hurt men and women alike. And so she really, I think, saw her own experiences and saw how, you know, people really just didn't take women seriously and was able to take these moves that advanced women's rights by showing that it hurt everybody. And it just really showed what a smart and strategic lawyer she was. 
I think it truly showed that, you know, she was one of the first people to illustrate that feminism means fighting for women's rights and fighting for men's rights. Because in the case of Weinberger v. Weisenfeld, you know, it was the case that gave widowed men the opportunity to collect social security for their children. And that's something even now we're still fighting today because JP Morgan only gives two weeks to men that have just had a child born in their family, but they give something like 13 weeks, maybe more to women. Um, and so we continue to fight for the things that Ruth Bader Ginsburg fought for in her time. And I was just you know, listening to a podcast where the current head of the women's rights campaign at the ACLU was talking about an interview that she had had with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And she asked her like, what she wished she could have continued to do. And Ruth said that she felt she made a lot of progress getting women into the workforce. But one thing she wished she could have done more was getting men into the family and, you know, making a complete societal rethink about, you know, it's okay for men to be stay-at-home dads. They should be encouraged to become family people. And, you know, you know, you can't just ask a woman to give up her career and not ask a man to do the same and not encourage a man to stay home with his family if that's truly what he wants. And that's really admirable, admirable of her that she did fight for women and for men. And she became, you know, a modern feminist that showed that men's rights are included in feminism. And I really love that that is something she fought for. It was truly incredible, right? At the time, because feminism was only perceived to be giving women rights, it is incredible to see that somebody was willing to push beyond that. Somebody who was young, who had faced discrimination based on her gender, who had every reason to be upset about this, wasn't taking it as something as a revenge tour. She was taking it as an opportunity to grow our perspectives about who we are as a society, right? Like Catherine, you're obviously right. She talked about it in the law, for sure. But it was so much more beyond that. Like she used the law as her basis, obviously, but she really wanted people to change how they viewed the entire society to change how they viewed each other, to change how a wife viewed her husband or how children viewed their dad or their mom. She wanted everybody to sincerely think about their lives differently from the perspective of what it would be like if we were all equal, if our gender was not the determining factor in how we lived our lives and what careers we pursued, whether we were stay at home or we were passionate in a workplace what colleges we attended. She wanted us so dearly to go beyond what we had always known. And I think today that's still something. And that's why it's so unfortunate that RBG has passed. But I also at the same time, I think this is something that we should all just remember to carry with us. You know, she never really got to see that full societal integration of the idea that we are equal. Obviously, women still don't get paid as much as men, and it's less socially acceptable for men to be at home than it is for women, all these things. But I think we have a unique opportunity now when we discuss her life and we discuss her achievements to be able to say, well, today we're going to mourn her passing because she was an amazing figure, somebody who was iconic and a role model to so many. But tomorrow, we're going to fight to make sure that the things that she wanted and the things that she saw and the things that she knew would be good for our society or things that we carry with us and things that we fight our government and we fight our fellow man to kind of see come into fruition. You know, I'm, I'm upset about her passing beyond anything. She's obviously such a role model, but 
I'm happy that we all have kind of an opportunity to reflect on her life and to take those messages that she had with us going forward. Absolutely. And like Ruth Bader Ginsburg was probably the foremost role model in my life and has been. I remember for International Women's Day with the Women's March Youth Empower, we all wrote about who our feminist role model was. And I wrote about RBG and the impact that she had on America. And even seeing now, like the ACLU Women's Rights Project has been doing so much. And I guess I want to bring attention to one of their more recent cases. I think they're still involved in it. I don't know. I watched or I listened to something about it. Um, and basically it's a case with Facebook where Facebook algorithms were allowing companies to target ads only to men and not to women, specifically in mostly male dominated workspaces. And that's something that is illegal. You're not allowed to say that only men are allowed to apply for a job and this is just a modern way of doing so. And so right now, um, you know, the ACLU Women's Rights Project is taking that on or has just taken that on. And I think that really is a testament to the impact that RBG had and that we are still in the fight for what she's fighting for. And all of these young girls and women and young men across the world that are inspired by her work can continue it and can continue her legacy and stand for what she stood for, for so many years of her life. And I hope we all do that. I think that this is gonna spark a fire in young girls across the country. And we're really gonna see a change and we're gonna see this increase in our fight for equal rights for all. And I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg is truly in the middle and the heart of this movement. Yeah, definitely. I mean, looking kind of introspectively into my own life and even all of you guys, like I know that we're all super passionate about politics um, and, you know, the government. And right now, you know, I'm kind of like in the middle of applying to college and all of that. And I'm like, I really want to study public policy or political science in college. And I want to go to law school. And I think that, you know, that's kind of like the life path or the educational path that Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that Ginsburg took. And not only did she like pave the way for me and so many girls, but also like she inspires me to also fight for the same things and continue um, fighting for the same things and fighting against the same issues of equal rights and civil liberties. And I think that's is so important to have a role model like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, when I got my phone last year, I put Ruth Bader Ginsburg's sticker on the back of my phone because I constantly wanted to be reminded of somebody who's fighting for something greater, right? I think it's not even just about gender equality. Ruth Bader Ginsburg has inspired me to fight against racial injustice. She's inspired me to fight against societal injustice. She's inspired me to fight against economic suppression and everything that comes in between. She's inspired me so much in terms of using my voice and advocating for something. She's inspired me to talk about the things that we've talked about on this podcast in the past. I mean, years ago, not only would we probably not had the technology to do this, but also like I don't think it would have been okay for young women to come onto a platform and to voice their opinions and to talk about what they thought because we weren't expected or known to be doing anything of the sort. But she gave us that ability. And was she the only person that ever fought for women's rights? No, but she was such a leader and she was such an example. You see, she was what we could aspire to be. 
she was powerful, but she was still feminine. Like her collars that she wore on her Supreme Court justice outfit, that is the perfect example. She is this powerful, powerful figure. Somebody who's expected to conform to look like everybody else in the Supreme Court justice panel. However, she chooses to wear that collar to exemplify her femininity, to exemplify that she's a powerful woman. It, it's something beyond what I can fathom of being just inspiring and being someone who wanted to be an example and wanted to push others to be better and to see themselves differently and to aspire to be something greater. I don't really? know, I'm for a lot. Definitely. And like today I'm wearing my shirt. It says peace, love, notorious. And it has a little peace sign, a heart, and then her descent collar. And, you know, that really is a symbol. I think her collar that she wore specifically on the days she dissented an opinion in the Supreme Court is a symbol for, you know, women going against the grain for centuries and trying to fight for our rights, even if it's not the popular thing to do. And I know like a lot of people don't think that modern day feminism is needed because we have the right to vote or we have the right to own land. But she understood that, you know, even in like the police force, a lot of um, police departments won't let like women take desk jobs. Like they'll recommend in the last couple months of their pregnancies, like a desk job, like, hey, like I can't be patrolling. I'm in the last stage of my pregnancy. May I please work a desk job? And they allow, many other officers to do it for a variety of reasons, but a lot of times women are denied that. And that is another thing that the ACLU has been fighting for in police departments all across the country. And that is something RBG would have stood for. And another thing that we can just continue to work on in the wake of her death. And I think that people don't really realize how much progress there is to be made, both in women's rights and in men's rights, just for gender equality overall and realizing that there can't be discrimination on the basis of sex. And I think that America will never forget Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We should definitely, yeah. Like we, nobody will ever forget the impact that she had on our lives. Uh, I like to say, I think she was one of the last people who really gave me hope in government, but I do take a lot of hope out of the fact that people who understood her impact and who were influenced by her words and by her actions will be the next generation. Um, the notorious RBG was just that, she'll always be notorious, she'll always be somebody who was fighting for something so much greater than herself, which kind of leads us into our next thing. Um, beyond just her achievements, we really wanted to talk about the news after her passing, primarily, you know, her final wish that she not be replaced until a next president is elected. Uh, you guys can kind of chime in on what you, think about that? Will this wish be honored? Um, is it something we should all be respecting? Uh, Catherine, your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know last night, like after she had died, it was like very almost just like kind of sad if you like think about it really from like an outside perspective, like, but the big thing that like I was thinking about too, and like people were talking about in the news and on Twitter was like, what about her replacement? And like, what is Mitch McConnell gonna say about, you know, this, if the Senate would confirm a new justice? And it's just like really sad to me that so much was like resting on 
her shoulders and like her saying in the court um, that we couldn't even like just mourn her death and her legacy as a person. And I was like um, covering it for like a news organization that I write for called Balance the Ballot. And like, I saw that the literally the first message that Mitch McConnell put out was that the Senate would hold um, a vote if Donald Trump decided to nominate a new justice. And to me, that was very callous, um, but also it upsetted me the most how hypocritical um, Senator McConnell's statement was because in 2016, um, he said the exact opposite when Obama was a lame duck president. He said that, you know, they would have to wait until a new president was elected so the people, quote unquote, like would be able to have a say in the new justice's confirmation. And when Scalia left the court, that was like, I believe over 200 days before the election. And now with RBG's passing, it's less than 50 days after. So there's just clear hypocrisy in what Mitch McConnell is like doing with the court. And yeah, like not it's not only like going against RBG's last wishes, but it's just hypocritical. I 100% agree. And I think the fact that he put it in his initial statement on her death is even more sickening. Like he couldn't even give us the time to mourn her death and recognize what an icon in history she was. And he really, you know, only thought about his political agenda. And, you know, it's just devastating to think about the impact that a conservative supermajority could have on reproductive rights, on LGBTQ plus rights, and on so many cases that Ruth fought for for decades and her entire basis of her profession and her professional career, you know, seeing that that could be reversed for decades if we do see a conservative supermajority is absolutely devastating. And I think it is incredibly hypocritical that Senator McConnell would, you know, argue to vote even though he did the exact opposite in 2016, even though it's way closer to the election. Um, fortunately, I believe there are enough Republican senators saying that they won't vote on RBG's replacement until there is a new president. Um, like Mitt Romney and I believe Susan Collins and I think a couple other um, senators. So hopefully we do see this majority that won't vote until, you know, hopefully the next president is elected or the next election, um, praying the results turn blue. But, you know, uh, I think it's really admirable for Mitt Romney to refuse to vote despite being conservative because he recognizes that it is a wrong thing to do and that it was Ruth Bader Ginsburg's last wish and how devastating it could be for our country and for our rights. Um, so hopefully we don't see this vote happening or if we do see it happening, um, these Republican senators do hold up their word and fail to vote. Yeah, regardless of how this next election turns out, um, I just hope that they do honor this wish. Ruth Bader Ginsburg did so much for so many people and that's not a partisan issue. It has never been a partisan issue, the things that she fought for. They were objective humanitarian rights. 
there are things that we politicized, yes, but they weren't supposed to be partisan. They were supposed to be decisions that we made as human beings, people who showed empathy and compassion to others. They were supposed to be decisions that were easy to make. And RBG fought for them and she fought for us above all. And she put aside her own beliefs at times to fight for what she believed was best for this country. She deserves so much respect. And it breaks my heart that somebody like Mitch McConnell refuses to see that because it's a political game to him. Somebody who has influenced the lives of so many has just died, is gone, and she can no longer do that. So many people have lost a role model, a figurehead. So many people have lost an advocate that they never would have had because they're lesser represented minorities. But Mitch McConnell is choosing to take this opportunity to politicize them. It speaks so much to the nature of politics right now that we would take such a cruel and indifferent stance against somebody who has done so much for everybody. Such, it's such callousness. It's, it's so blatantly inhumane. And it is ridiculous that anybody, anybody would not see this for what it is. He isn't doing his civic duty. This is a political move to strengthen the relations of the Republican Party within the Supreme Court because they know that that will carry long beyond any of their terms. It's, it's not about them, it's never been about them. And it gets me so frustrated that that's what American politics has come to. That we're gonna act like this, that we're gonna be cruel and inhumane and indifferent towards people. That we will lack compassion and empathy that Ruth Bader Ginsburg taught all of us was necessary to be a part of government. It is one of the most frustrating aspects of this administration and is beyond anything, one of the most frustra frustrating aspects of government in general. I mean, I know no elected officials are listening to this, but if they are, please show some humanity, show some empathy, show some compassion. Like a nation is mourning a figurehead. This isn't time to politicize it. This isn't a partisan agenda that you can push. This is somebody who impacted the lives of so many, who has lost her life. She fought through four different types of cancer people. She, I thought she was invincible, I'll have to be honest. I thought she was never gonna die. And I thought she was never gonna die, and I was clearly wrong, but that's hardly the point. Point being, she fought those cancers because she knew that she still had work to do. She fought everything in her life because she knew she had still had something to do and for somebody to disrespect that to somebody to show such little compassion towards her is ridiculous and this is i'm sorry i have to stop talking about it it's one of the most frustrating things to me i swear if i could talk to mitch mcconnell right now i would go off on it because i mean show some show some respect Definitely. I know um, one of our friends, Melody uh, Henry, Henry, if you're watching this, this is a quick shout out to you. Um, Planned Parenthood allows you to donate in the name of someone else and it'll notify them and send something to their address when you donate to them. So our good friend Henry decided to donate to Planned Parenthood in the name of Mitch McConnell. So we will be getting something to the Russell office building where he works very soon. And I, he sent that to me. He was like, I, I thought you would enjoy this. And I was sobbing about Ruth Bader Ginsburg when I saw that. And I was like, 
this, this made my day just a little bit better because it truly sickened me and it just made everything worse to know that there were people politicizing this at the end of the day when it shouldn't be something that was politicized. And Icon's death is not something to be politicized. So snaps to Henry for doing that and Mitch McConnell should be ashamed of himself. Definitely. And like, I cried when I heard that she died. Everyone on this podcast right now cried. So many people like across the country. And not only were people like sad about her death, like on a human and like, you know, as a role model level, but also because of this like whole political implications as well. And I just think that like, how sad is it that like people's, you know, people who need abortions, people who need their reproductive rights, people who are queer and like just, you know, are worried now if they can, will be able to like get, if their right to get married is like on the line anymore. People who are racial minorities, like anyone who faces is any kind of minority has like this worry that if this court becomes more conservative that they might lose their rights. Like, I just think that it's so messed up that like so many of our liberties or even like our perceived idea of how like concrete our freedom is or our liberties are like rested on the shoulders of one woman. I don't think that like anyone should have to bear that responsibility, even though that she really did. And like at the end of the day, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was like, an icon but she was still also like a woman she was just a person and she shouldn't have to you know our all of our rights shouldn't rest on one person's ability to stay alive even Ruth Bader Ginsburg didn't have a perfect record you know I personally have like a lot of problems with her opinion on the Cheryl and Oneida case in 2005 even though since then she's gone on and talked about it and voted for um indigenous people's right to sovereignty and to have more indigenous judges but that's just like one example you know she wasn't her record wasn't perfect and she was just a person and like if we really are to like live in a democracy where we have our liberties like it should be it just shows that like the system is not what it should be if like our we're so afraid for our basic human rights because of one judge. And she said that Trump is what kept her alive these last three and a half years to know that one of the sole reasons she was fighting for her life was because she was scared of the rights of 300 million plus people in our country. Like that just goes to show that she knew how much power she held in modern America and for the future of you know all of the future generations and at least for the next 60 years because of this conservative supermajority that could come soon. And she's been holding on for so long with such little left to give because she knew that her time was coming to an end, but she knew that she needed to stay here and she needed to continue to fight. She couldn't retire because of the hate instilled in our country by our current administration and by our current Congress. And that really like devastates me to know that she felt the need to work until her dying breath to continue to uphold our rights. And she didn't get to enjoy the very end of her life and in peace or get to retire. And I think um, 
and Melody, if you want to finish this up before we go to uh, her Supreme Court accomplishments to give a bit of a lighter end to today's episode and celebrate some of the amazing things she did do, if you want to speak really quickly on the last topic. I mean, yeah, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. You know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a person, right? But her message and the things that she communicated to all of us through her actions live on in each one of us. Obviously, take your time to mourn. She was a role model. She meant a lot to everybody in this podcast and everybody who's listening and pretty much everybody in the United States. But the next day, fight for what you fought for. You know, you have to be your own advocate because she can't do it anymore. Fight for what you want and what you believe in and what you want to see in your government. That's what Ruth Bader Ginsburg wanted us to do. That's why she did all the things that she did. That's why she went to law school and faced all that opposition and was a professor and then a lawyer. She argued cases in front of the Supreme Court and then became a Supreme Court justice herself. She didn't do that just for herself. She did it because of her daughter. She did it because of everybody's daughters and their mothers and their sons and their husbands and their dads and everybody. She wanted everyone to have a chance and opportunity to fight for your own rights. So I guess the greatest thing that you can do to honor her is to advocate for what you believe in and to fight for what you want out of this world. And that that is what I'm gonna be doing to honor her. And so I encourage everybody who's listening to do the same. Absolutely. And I think we are gonna finish today's episode off with some of her Supreme Court accomplishments. I believe this was one of the accomplishments she was probably the most proud of about her tenure and her time um, at in the Supreme Court was the landmark states versus Virginia, which basically stated that the Virginia Military Institute couldn't refuse to admit women. And because of that decision, mainly she won the American Bar Association's um, Marshall Award for her contributions to gender equality and her contributions to civil rights. And I think that really was a landmark case and the fact that you can't discriminate on the basis of sex. And it was one of her first cases and one of her first decisions that she truly thought revolutionized women's ability to learn, right? You know, woman in the Virginia, Virginia Military Institute, you know, that changed the life of so many people and paved the way for so many women to, you know, have better access to education because her education was, was always being held back by various things. She was always being put down. The adversity she faced was insane. And, you know, knowing that the Virginia Military Institute has promised that their female cadets will, you know, be held to the same standard as their male cadets and they'll be treated as equals is really inspiring and a testament to her work in the Supreme Court and her work overall as a human being. And that's probably my favorite case from her on the Supreme Court and something that I will forever admire by her. I mean, if you read like any of her opinions or her dissents, it's like so clear what an amazing and articulate writer and thinker and just like knower, like, um, <laughs> oh my gosh, a writer and thinker and just like what a great under and deep understanding of the law that she had. And I think like for me, her dissenting opinions were so important to me and so just like articulate and important in her career. Um, a recent example that is important to me or that I really look up to is Shelby Counter. 
Shelby County, I can't speak right now, I'm so sorry. Shelby County versus Holder from 2013. It's a court decision that basically gutted the 1965 Voting Rights Act. And, you know, Ginsburg was deeply against the decision that the court ultimately made. And, you know, just one quote from her opinion was that, Throwing out preclearance when it has worked and has continued to work to stop discriminatory changes is like throwing away your umbrella in a rainstorm because you are not getting wet. You know, the issue of voting discrimination and suppression of minority voting is continues to be such a big issue, especially after the Supreme Court case. And it was just like, it's really important to me how um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg just had, you know, she wasn't afraid to go against the grain of the court and she was she continued to be like a liberal court when she saw fit like she saw that the law of the land and the constitution and like basic civil rights and law said that it should go in that direction yeah i guess i'll finish off one of my personal favorite court cases that um ruth bader ginsburg spoke on was sessions v demaya um, it was a court case that kind of asked us the question, is the Immigration Nationalities Act crime of violence provision unconstitutionally vague under the due process clause of the Fifth Amendment? Um, an immigrant who was in this country was convicted of a violent crime and was facing deportation. However, um, he was facing deportation based off something that was extremely vague. Ruth Bader Ginsburg took to this and she joined the rest of the court in a 5-4 majority, but I think it spoke a lot to what she did outside of just the United States. You know, when we talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, we talk a lot about her effect on this nation. She wasn't just fighting for the people who were born here. She was fighting for the people who wanted to be here, who believed in this dream, who believed in something beyond what they just saw. You know, she fought for so many people and she fought for what she believed was right. And I think that case is just a fantastic example of that to me. Um, you guys don't mind, I kind of want to finish off this episode with uh, one of my personal favorite Ruth Bader Ginsburg quotes, um, and it's from my personal favorite documentary, RBG. She says, I ask no favor for my sex. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. I mean, I guess that, that quote to me speaks about her grit, about her toughness, and how much she fought, and how much she wanted, you know, She's not asking for any favors. She's asking for an equal opportunity and she'll show you what she can do. That is, that, that was Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That was who she was. Somebody who just wanted a chance to show everybody. Somebody who created her own chances, created her own opportunities. Um, and you guys can kind of speak on that just to finish off this episode. I mean, absolutely. absolutely. She was a fearless, staunch advocate for gender equality. And I think nobody can take the impact that she had on the United States away from her, no matter how hard they try, looking directly at Mitch McConnell right now. And I think what we can do now is honor her life and honor her fight and her battle by continuing to carry on her legacy and continuing her fight, whether it's, you know, for men's rights or paid leave, whether it's for, you know, female officers that want to you know, to have just jobs for pregnancy, sexual assault cases at low-wage jobs across the country. These are all things we need to continue to fight for. And these are all things that, you know, the three of us as 
young activists that hope to be public servants at some point in our life um, will continue to fight for. And continuing this dialogue, ensuring that we get everyone out to vote in November and ensure that her legacy and her lasting words, her last words are honored and her legacy is honored. I think that's all we can really do because she was an unflappable advocate for everybody's rights. And she's transformed what's possible for women in the United States. And she will be remembered for that for years to come. Definitely. I think it's important for everyone and I hope everyone listening will be motivated to keep fighting to you know fight for women's rights but also to be as intersectional as possible and just keep moving towards progress so hopefully one day it won't be necessary for us to keep you know hoping and fighting for equity and that's gonna be it for this episode this episode obviously goes out to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, her legacy, and everything that she provided for every person in this country. Um, her death is obviously somber, but what we're going to take out of it and what we're going to fight for will be something I think will stick with Americans for years to come. Thank you guys all for listening to this episode. Thank you, Catherine, for being our first ever guest host. You were amazing this episode, very articulate. We love to see it. Uh, we'll be back next week, or two weeks from now, with more episodes. Um, hopefully Divya and Nina will be back next week but that is all for Clueless and Conscious thank you guys so much for tuning in have a good day don't be afraid to be clueless but stay conscious guys <laughs>